Welcome to IDG's Plus podcast. I am Eugenia. I am Vanessa. I'm Gonzalo. And we believe that a thriving and sustainable future starts from within today. We are here to bring you closer to topics that explore human nature, inner transformation, science, consciousness, and systemic dynamics. We will explore aspects of being, thinking, relating, collaborating, and acting. Join us and enjoy the journey. Hello, everyone. A warm welcome wherever you are to IDG Plus. Uh, this is a safe space and a heart-to-heart conversation shared with the ever-growing IDG community. Today, guest is Frederick. Um, he is a psychologist. Um, he's got a PhD on clinical neuroscience. He's a trainer in acceptance and commitment therapy and also a board member of the 29K, an advisor for a scientific advisor for IDGs and CEO of the Live Compass, um, which is devoted for training professionals in psychology. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the, the last name right. Liv Fehain. Yeah, that's good. So, uh, Frederick, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. It's uh, getting dark here in Stockholm, where minus 13 degrees, and I'm heading towards the end of a day that has been filled with interesting meetings. I'm a little bit tired, mm-hmm. and my brain is a little bit foggy, but I'm glad to be here. Lovely, thank you. So, um, I want to break the ice on this conversation by asking you, why is so important for you inner development? Hmm. Well, that's a, that's a profound question. I would, I would say it sort of has two sides to it. And one is, uh, one is that inner development has been really important for me personally. I wouldn't have survived without it. So that's from the more personal side. And also I see the challenges in the world and what we're facing. And I believe that inner development, a sustainable world, but also people where, where we have a mental health and maybe even human flourishing. And for those who never um, have experience or have been in touch with inner development, um, as as I mentioned before, you're an uh, acceptance commitment therapist trainer and uh, you're trained in psychology and neuroscience and part of the 29K app. Um, if you can debrief what actually is, like a simplified explanation of what is inner development and what, what would you say? So sometimes I struggle with the term inner development because it sort of sounds like if you're not you're not perfect and you should get somewhere and you should develop something. But I think that basically there are some fundamental psychological skills that we all need to go through life. And there are some certain life hacks that if you sort of open up to what your central nervous system is giving you and you're identifying what you find is important in your life so you can orient your actions towards that and uh, those are some basic skills that will make you grow as a person or become more more of you as a person so it's um that would be the really sort of simple answer okay okay and if you what is the main okay let me reframe it um what is your single most valuable inner development skill that you use every day in your life? For me personally, I mean, going through a day, going through life, there is like, uh, depending on how you conceptualize it, but it's like you use so many of them all the time. Uh, so it's, and, and also that they are intertwined. But um, but what I what I do quite often that I am really reminding myself of is to become present, 
mm. again and again and again and and becoming present and stepping into my body stepping into the reality where i am and uh, and then listening into what's 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 my system giving me what, what thoughts are arising what emotions are arising what's and just being present with with what is and it's also there that i sort of sense what is the beautiful thing to do here what is the helpful thing to do here um and that is something that i especially practice where i i bike commute 45 minutes a day when i go into into town and then just remind myself in every paddle that i have already arrived this is exactly where i should be <laughs> what <laughs> i feel the wind towards my face i check in with my body and i check in with thoughts that arise and emotions and i'm just practicing to be present because we're so so used to live in our head and, and just planning for the future dwelling on what what was and 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 we're so at least me i'm so unskilled of being in the present moment and just getting myself back there again and again and again so that's like the awareness of it's a, it's a basic skills and awareness in the here and now i think hmm. When I hear you saying about being present in your body, listening, being present with what is, um, it sounds to me a bit of a, a contemplative practice. A, I cannot, I, I don't want to dare to say mindfulness because, <laughs> but it's like, you talk about also awareness. What is that? Being present in the body, awareness of thoughts, mind, and allowing for things to emerge as they are. Mm. Wow, well, that was a that was a question. <laughs> what is awareness? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say, like I, I I I've done a lot of research in in stress. Like how can we deal with stress and build resilience and and also delivering like building group inventions and doing research on on the effectiveness of them and so on and i i think that one thing that we don't really see is that like us humans we are very several hundred thousand years old and we were built to deal with stressors that are physical like a, a potential rivalry enemy or a wild animal and something like that and it was so clear when the when the stressor or the threat was present and then when the threat was over and you could get recovery and restoration and the problem with stress is not the stress in is in itself but if, if you're stressed for a long time without restoration then then when it gets dangerous and the the the, the the fast-paced society we live in now, and living so much in our head, most of us use take in a lot of information. A lot of us work with information all the time, and we're so much in our head. And the thinking, with our thinking, we can activate the same stress response just by thinking. I did a bad job. What happens if I, if I don't meet this deadline? It's the same stress system that starts in your body as if you had a real brown bear roaring at you. But this thought stress, this thinky pain, you can, with that you can activate your stress system 24-7. And that's crucial key, I believe, for us humans to learn to, to be present in the present moment, both not to trigger the stress system with our thoughts, but also to be present to the beautiful gifts that life is giving us all the time because we miss that if we're in our head. Beautiful. Um, I really I really like the fact that uh, you mentioned about uh, stress is part of life. I mean, uh, human, we evolved because of our ability to adapt to stress and our brains have evolved in a way that the most external part of the brain, the neocortex, has more of the exec executive function as if the prefrontal cortex and when you said we are most of us we're all the time in our heads and we, are, we work and we learn 
I mean, we study to work in our heads and then we operate in our professional lives in our heads and then we have to make a decision. And you touch your forehead where the prefrontal cortex is, which is the actual the location in the brain uh, where you make the executive functions. So it's funny how your own body awareness of where the, um, this function is in your brain. But we can honestly not operate from there sustainably because if you constantly act from there, we misinterpret uh, a lot of uh, stimuli that constantly given to us uh, as a threat. And then the body and the mind and the system, I would say the entire system, does not differentiate if it's a real lion or it's just the mind that created a beautiful monster that looks like a lion. That could be yeah. your boss. It could be in the news. It could be it could be so many things, right? And then mm-hmm. this entire system prepared to protect you. So the body wants to protect us. And and then we encounter that in this fast lane society and never stopped. And we, it's not time to recover. There's not time for restoration. There's not time for regeneration. Before it used to be nature. It used to be a coffee. It used to be, yeah. and I. For a head-oriented society where everything is in the prefrontal cortex, how can we bring solutions that bring people more to the present? Yeah, and I think that's like if you look at what what works as recovery or restoration, it's sort of both individual and situational. So I guess that we need to find our own individual ways of like what is what is recovering for me? What makes me wind down? What makes me land in my body? And, and that is like, for, for some, it, it might be knitting. For me, I would get really stressed about that. Um, <laughs> for some, it's like practicing karate because you cannot really be fully there practicing karate and be in your head because then you're really, you really suck at it. And... But also it's sort of situational. So if I if I have been giving a lot of workshops and been attending a lot of meeting, then it's then it's recovering for me to just be alone in the forest. But if I have been home writing for a week and I haven't met anyone almost apart from my kids and family, then then it's really recovering to go and meet friends. Mm. So that's what I mean with, with situational. So, so I think that there are many ways. And of course, I think that that is also like the, I, I, I think I see a trend in society the latest year for that, like there's an increased appetite for things like mindfulness, because it's a deliberate way of training your ability to be in the present moment and check in with your body and, and mm-hmm. step out of the thought frames that you're constantly in, that we are constantly in. And I also think that's why like certain kind of sports are, are sort of increasing because we feel we really have this, this need of getting into our bodies again and stepping out our minds. So um, it's interesting because I also often recommend to my clients and patients that, uh, to sports such as boxing, such as, uh, you know, that really you need to be aware of your body in order to be fully present. If you go to do a, especially, you know, boxing and karate, or it could be um, climbing, you really need to have full attention to capacity. If you don't, you fall. If you fall, it hurts. (laughs) So lesson learned, very quick lesson learned. It's a way to train in the mind doing this type of sports, but might not be suited for everyone, right? Then yeah. you have mindfulness practice as another way of, of any contemplative practice that it could be pray, it could be mantra, it could be mindfulness itself or any awareness practice. Yeah. But what I really liked about the situational aspect that you mentioned is about you said individual and then you talk about collective. So you have the ability to adapt. I mean, first you have to have self-awareness to know what you need because mm-hmm. what you need to go to the forest and be with yourself and find soothing in your nervous system and quiet is in the body and the mind and drop in your body and sense what's what's happening? Or do you need, on the contrary, connection? Because it's also a soothing system for the brain. 
connecting, bonding, contact, you know, eye contact is very important for our brain to feel safe and secure. Um, what would you add in this, you know, system? Sorry, could you repeat that question, please? Yeah, what would you add? We talked about individual and then collective. I think we need we can go within ourselves and go to nature, or we can go into connecting to others because it creates also it's a soothing system for the brain and the mind. Is there anything else anything else you will add into these uh, ways of connecting to the present moment? Mm, yeah. And also I mentioned situational, but it's like different situ different situations. Even your life context, different things will be recovering mm -hmm. for you. But I, I think that um, like we are, we are, we humans are, are a flock species. So I think that we also need to look at the context like what 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 are the contexts that we are creating for ourselves both like as 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 a world and a society but also like as 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 groups of individuals and 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 um should i say it because when when you said mindfulness i i also have a like slight allergy towards mindfulness <laughs> when it when it's used like as the 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 cure for everything at any point everywhere and if i was working at a company where it was like really high demands it was bad leadership it was like a lot of shit going on and someone said okay now we're going to solve this with a mindfulness voice i would get rightfully really upset so i think that it's also like we, we when, when we want to create sound contexts and environments for us we, we both need to look at the outer context as well as our way of relating to different contexts so like if if it's an unwise or unhealthy context then then we should orient our resources toward making some changes in that context so it becomes more adaptable to how we're suited as human beings and 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 if it's really bad context and there is a way to get out of it then get out of it but but sometimes i think that it sort of tends to become a a false dichotomy between no we should only work on the context and create sound workplaces we shouldn't give work with individuals because it's not an individual problem but i would say that like it's it's pretty clear to me that we need to work on both at the same time we need to sort of create sound context for us as humans to operate in and to be in contexts and, and environments that we are sort of built that rhymes with with how we are as a species like what kind of monkey are we we are a flock species we thrive mm -hmm. when we are connected to others when we feel that we're part of the group that we contribute to the group that we have a place in the group and also sometimes we need tools on an individual level to to like build the resilience to be in, in life that is sometimes hard sometimes we find ourselves in contexts that are not so sound and safe and how can i be with that both to sort of give myself balance and peace but also then um, maybe i can release some of the energy to actually work on getting the con doing the context better in a sense And and we need to work on both at the same time, I think. When I hear you talking, it sounds like, oh, being human is so complex. <laughs> 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 it's very complex. Is there any way we can uh, negotiate this again? <laughs> <laughs> um, we have flock species. And yeah, we long for connection. We long for... for meaning belong for um, feeling that we are seen, that we are valued, that, that we are uh, we are able to express ourselves as we are uh, and welcomed as we are. And I was reading a, a, a review, a, a research on, on what happens in the brain when people have isolation mm. and experience isolation. Isolation because of context let's say covid forced us to be isolated mm. and isolation because some people might not have the competencies or might be biased by experiences that 
make themselves be isolated from others and feel disconnected, both or any other variation. And it is interesting that it activates the same areas of the brain as in when, when you have hunger. Mm. Yeah. And the hunger for people. And, and that really tells us something about ourselves, that as we are flocks, we, we, we look for that. And, and, and this individual society that it's been, it is so much praised uh, being individual and not thinking about the collective. Uh, yeah. You're probably aware of the studies where, where they can see that like in big cohort studies that if you have bad quality or bad social relationships and you don't have like a social relational context that is as, as dangerous to to health as smoking like 15 cigarettes a day when it comes yeah. to, to death, like the risk for death. Yeah, increases. I, I, I can't remember very well. It was 20%. The, the, I'm giving a number. It was really high. Yeah. Above 10% of um, dying uh, before the expectancy of your age, of yeah. heart problems, immunity problems, etc. So it's fascinating how the perceived sensation of feeling of being isolated activates areas of the brain that creates a stress for you and therefore it can make you sick or can cause problems in your health. And I think this is very undervalued, this great research we have, and it's not contemplated in today's society. And yeah, I, think, that's... Yeah, I think that it should be as natural if you go to your to your general practitioner, like your doctor, that he, if he asks about, like, are you smoking or not, like, the standard question should be also, like, how, how is it with your social relationships? Do you feel lonely? Do you, do you have a place? Do you have a group? Do you have uh, something that, that is there for you? Because we know that smoking and, and that it's, it's sort of equal. So, we, but we don't talk about it. Yeah, so I, I totally agree with you there. So what are the questions that we should, I mean, uh, I'm a physician and I have patients uh, and you're a psychologist and you might have clients <laughs> or used to have clients, but you work with a lot of teams. What are the questions that you would like to normalize? You just say a few um, on how you are. I would say that like, of, of course, I, I mean, some, some are sort of already in there like how are you feeling and but also like when it comes to it's become more and more common i guess to ask about drinking habits to ask about smoking but i also think that you should add one on social relationships what that that look like and also i think you should ask about like how how is that person doing psychologically and some duties and, and, and another primary settings it's starting to have some sort of standard questions on, on mental health as well because it's sometimes there is such focus on on the physical health that, that the mental health is missed and sometimes especially men don't have that great language on average about talking about emotions sometimes they see for things that seems to be physical but might be depression, stress, or, or other lifestyle symptoms. Um, but also one thing that I, I find, I work with acceptance and commitment therapy, and there we sort of, because usually like if someone comes to a GP, I'm, I'm depressed, boom, you should treat the depression and then everything is going to be fine again. Uh, so it, it's like a lot of treatment is symptom reduction, with with a sort of hidden assumption that everything is going to be fine and then we're hit by a virus or something and we should treat it and everything is going to be fine again. But my assumption is that, and many with me, that life will continue. It, it will have hardships. When you go through life, there will be suffering. There will be pain. We will lose loved ones. There will be suffering. And how can we, in the midst of the messiness of life, the sometimes painful life, live the life that we find is important and want to strive towards. And that's why we, in acceptance and commitment therapy, for instance, always, usually always start therapy, but like in the best of worlds, what, what do you want to fill your life with? What do you want to strive towards? And that is something that I think it would be good to ask as a GP, for instance, as well, mm -hmm. because 
because then you can when you can form an alliance about how can I help this person to fulfill his or her life or live more of the life he or she wants to, then it's sort of, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to take that journey together with, with you. And it's also a fun journey, but it also sort of takes away that, okay, so if you're suffering from social phobia, you're afraid of being around other people, and it's really important for you to be together with other people, we can work on that. And it's probably it's not going to be painless for you to approach what you find is important here for you. So sometimes it, it's good to, to sort of focus together on the purpose on where you want to go and just acknowledge that it might be a painful journey to go there. So for mm. instance, if, if you're like a chronic pain patient and you have tried a lot of things and the problem with long-standing pain is usually that there is no good medical treatment for it. And you start to avoid things that are important because you don't want to feel the pain, of course. But then the side effect is often that you also make your life smaller and smaller and you, you both have pain, you get more sensitive to pain and you have no life left. And so then the, the, the goal is sort of to identify what do I want to fill my life with? And as you start to become more active, you will get your life back. But maybe also a little bit more pain. Maybe the pain will still be the same, but you will get your life back. And in some instances, in instances it's also a side product that pain experience goes down when you start leading your life again. Beautiful. Mm. So pain is an unavoidable aspect of human nature and... And it's the way we relate to pain, how we can uh, find ways to have a sustainable and resilient life. And when yeah. you talk about pain, uh, uh, I usually differentiate between pain and suffering. And mm. uh, pain is, I think, it's good to know that we all have well, we situations unexpected, you know, um, you know, divorce or et cetera. And then suffering is the consequence of resisting to that pain without causing you more pain than you already have and that's usually that's a pretty much a buddhist approach to pain and buddha talked about pain um a lot and and it's beautiful that you said that you know going to your gp and asking you what is the life you want to have what are, what is your social relationship have you got safe relationship do you feel secure do you feel you belong do you feel you have you can be yourself or you just be holding yourself to be scared, to adapt, you know, to, to, to just to fit in rather than to feel in a part of, uh, and also the, the, the mind, most people don't ask about the mind. How's your mind lately? Well, what do you feel about the mind? Is it, is it, is it busy? Is it calm? Is it comes and go? Do you feel like, you know, most people don't ask about that. And even doctors don't know the definition of the mind. And the, the, yeah. they, they, they don't, you ask them, what's the definition of the mind? They say, yeah, that, that you have in your brain. And I usually challenge them, is, are you sure it's in your brain? <laughs> <laughs> How sure uh, you are. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, well, there are two I questions I, that I want. Yeah. Hey, no, go, go, go. There are two questions that I want to ask you. Uh, First would be, what is acceptance for you? Mm -hmm. And the second one, what has IDG, Inner Development Goals, got to do with this potential way of normalizing certain questions in, for instance, healthcare environments? Wow. Yeah, the word acceptance is, is a very charged word. And I usually, like when I'm interviewed by media or papers, and if I don't, have a little bit of time i tend to avoid it because it so easily gets confused with resigning or giving up or accepting contexts that are really toxic or bad and i just want to be really clear that it's not that what we're talking about but it's basically usually if if you look at the world within our skin what our central nervous system is giving us at a certain point in terms of sensations, thoughts, I would say that we usually do best in opening up to what we are experiencing at, at a certain moment. And that is what I call accept and open up to be with what is 
So, but also it could be, sometimes I, I, I suggest to, to use the word acknowledge instead of accept. So like it could be that I'm acknowledging right now that there is a lot of work to do and I'm acknowledging that I'm feeling really stressed. I'm acknowledging that I've noticed that there are deadlines coming up that is causing me a lot of stress. Okay. And just taking what's happening in your body and all of that. And that doesn't mean you can still do th things about that in, in the world outside of your skin. But when it comes to what life is giving you in a certain moment, it might be wiser to acknowledge the situation as it is, what's showing up in your body as it is. As, as you're talking about, like the differentiating, but not causing that ex extra pain about the pain. Okay. So one thing would be over-adapting. So I, thinking or misinterpreting acceptance as a way of, okay, I'm adapted, there's nothing I can do, and I just give up. So mm -hmm. I just that really gives the body a signal of, uh, you know, sort of like the reaction to flop or the reaction to, um, yeah, flowing, you know, the, the adapting to the environment, but in that to understanding the other, the other way of seeing acceptance would be the one that you, I think you're, you, you're referring to, the one is connecting to reality as it is. Yeah. Being in touch, so your feet on the ground, oh, this is the ground that I'm standing for. Oh, it is painful. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to deal with this. All I know that I'm feeling this pain right now. Beautiful. And that takes a lot of courage. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> But it could also, like, sometimes it's, it's really simple. Oh, shit, I lost my phone in the toilet. Oh, mm. okay. I, I, I acknowledge that. Uh, I acknowledge this just happened and acknowledge the thoughts turning up. I, it's so typical me. I'm so fucking clumsy and what will happen now? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So it's, uh, but, but the more profound life wisdom situation was what we were talking about. And, and can we do that with other people? I say, you're talking about acceptance for yourself. And what you say the word acknowledgement, which I love. And, which is a great quality to develop within ourselves. But then is that how, how can we put on this same way into the collective, into your family, into the people you perhaps don't like or have a bad relationship with? Hmm. Yeah, I think in a sense that with, with other people, like like some Some things others do trigger something in us because it might remind us of something that we're struggling with and don't want to see in ourselves. So it could be that. But also I think that like what's sometimes helpful is just to, I believe that everybody is sort of acting in a way, even in asshole ways because of their learning history and their history and their context. It probably makes perfect sense why that, that person is acting as he or she is doing. And that doesn't mean that we should say that everything is okay. We need to sort of feel where where are our boundaries and so on. And sometimes we can sort of voice, stop, I don't want you to say like that to me. And, and sort of send out that signal. But then also know that we cannot really directly manipulate or order someone to change like that because we don't work like that. So I think that there is, because sometimes we have the expectancy that if I just say, no, I don't like that, you should change. And then automatically we're like, it's like waving a magic wand that that person will change. Probably not. Mm. But, but we could just like, oh, this is from my perspective. This is how I would like our interaction and so on. And then a certain degree of, acceptance that that person is what he or she is and can I make room for that person and, and can we interact and could we find good ways to interact together in a better way so setting boundaries uh, acknowledging what's happening and then setting boundaries or ways to relate in that is that enable both of of, of the parts to to grow yeah. and 
what about IDGs? How do we connect this to IDGs in our development goals? Because <laughs> <laughs> we've been uh, talking about all this time, we've been talking about IDGs in our development goal, but I think we go like I, I just saw the feeling that it's we were under the IDGs, so that we were below IDGs, and now I'm trying to <laughs> resurface it again. Yeah, well, we have been talking about skills that are covered in the IDGs. I would say mm -hmm. we have been talking about in the compass, integrity, authenticity, openness, and learning mindset, self-awareness, presence, and and perspective-taking skills and communication skills. So it's it's. It's sort of, and that sort of shows the universality of, of the IDG framework, I would say. Mm -hmm. I know psychological constructs that are actually the processes that explains why psychological interventions work. So there is a great overlap with the, uh, that and the IDG skills, I would say. But coming back to, yeah, I was just giving an interview for, for a magazine and we talked about the, the latest human development report where they say it's actually title is that like um let me see if i can remember the title of it it's it's uncertain times unsettled lives shaping our future in a transforming world and what they're saying is that we need to double down on human development in, in, the, in ways that is similar to what is described in the idg framework and, and they talk about this new uncertainty complex where like life has always been uncertain for us humans in, in certain ways because we don't know like what will life be me and, and the people I love. So that's that's old, but it's uncertainty. And what we know stresses all humans is things that are new, unpredictable and uncontrollable or difficult to control. And if you look at the pandemic it had it was a new threat. It was uncontrollable and unpredictable to a large extent. And that's something that stresses us. So that was like another stressor on top of the social isolation that also came with it. But so it's no wonder that it was a real, real trigger for societal stress. Uh, so, but we also have like, not just the uncertainty around our lives, but now we're also starting to see, we're living in the age of the Anthropocene where, where we can see systems collapsing on this planet due to how we are living, how we are behaving. So we can see that the climate crisis, the wars, it's all created by humans. And, and the good thing with that is that we know that we have the ability to influence human behavior that is under our control. And with Anthropocene, we sort of see the system collapses and we know that we need to do some major changes, but it's not really clear what those changes are. And also like what are the solutions? And if you are to make drastic changes, what will that mean to me and my family and my society? I don't know. So that creates another set of uncertainty and stress. And since we hate being stressed by uncertainty, then it's easy for us to go back into black-white thinking, into polarization, in-group, out-group conflicts, and make the world small, understandable, and controllable. And that's also where it is sometimes a, a, a strong bond for a strong leader that says that the world is really simple and we are the good guys and they are the bad guys, they, because that sort of gives a false sense of security that we know what's right, what's wrong. And this, of course, the polarization uh, makes it even more difficult for us to understand the real roots of the problem and do something that would be really helpful towards it. And I think that either either we're gonna we need to raise our awareness as a species to become wiser stewards of our beautiful little blue planet floating around in a cold, dark space, or we're gonna take the lower road where we go into much more polarization which will lead to more war and conflicts and a system collapse so that's why i think that the idg framework is so, so crucial because it sort of points to the skill that we probably need to get better at both for mental health for resilience for living the full potential of our 
individual lives, but also for planetary thriving and planetary sustainability. Beautiful. It, 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 I absolutely love what you said about um, uncertainty and the the social stress that caused COVID and, 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 you know, the fact it was new, uncontrollable, unpredictable. And we also have things in life that are the same, new, unpredictable, but illness and a stroke or a heart attack become the same, new, uncontrollable, unpredictable. So losing a job, a sudden divorce, same. Correct. So these can be all overlapped into several, you know, amounts of stress that our brains have certain capacities and depending on our social and individual skills. So that's why IDGs promote certain skills that help you to navigate these tough waters that can yeah. be become a great sailor of the great sea. <laughs> and yeah. And and also knowing that we talked about brain has the capacity to our minds, brain, body, as I call it, mind, body uh, has the capacity to thrive and to, to we really know that we can thrive as a society. We really know we can make people thrive uh, individually and collectively. We, we've seen that. We have the science. And we also know equally the science that what happens to the brain when it has activated the in-out-group system, we are completely biased. It activates loss aversion. So our tendency is to protect ourselves and ponder twice as much the negative stuff rather than the positive. And, and also to protect what is our tribe, what it looks, what looks okay for us, and then really say, no, you're wrong. And then polarization and this big um, bias that our brain, uh, it's the brain trying to protect us. I would say yeah. the brain is trying to really protect us. The way we relate to it and the way we interact with it, with that, with it is, 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 our bodies and our mind is the way we can actually collectively create a more sustainable future. And this is why IDGs become so crucial for the future we are stepping in. Um, yeah, definitely. And I also think that the IDGs is sort of putting a language to that, like inner skills are crucial for outer transformation, sort of spotlighting that that connection and 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 also like we know that the problems that we are facing they are global so the answers and the solution probably also need to be global in the sense that we cannot do it just like in one city we need to come together as a species and, and do changes that are globally sustainable and if you look at what we ever has changed the world it's and make made us collaborate on a large scale that's the language and narratives and and there i also think that the ideas is providing a narrative of hope but not sort of false hope and it's not saying this is the exact solution but it's sort of encouraging us to become wiser more being better at connecting to our embodied wisdom becoming better at communication skills becoming better at complexity awareness and perspective skills and also come together with courage creativity and and, and act for change together and i think that is that is important what's just up now is like a lot of indigenous cultures have, have the, the according to me rightful perspective that we are all one uh, both like people and and planet like in a sense the planet is our outer body. So if we if we have a like a huge temperature increase or we lose the atmosphere around Earth, we cannot live with that. So in that sense, the ecosystem is a is a prerequisite for us to be able to live on this planet. So in that sense, it's part of the body. Like I need this body to function in order to for me as an individual to live. But I also need the planet and the ecosystem to be working and sustainable for for me to live. Uh, otherwise, I couldn't live. So it's it's. I think it was I've heard that it's like a small percentage of twenty percent of indigenous people that is um, that is preserving eighty percent of the biodiversity on the planet. 
because in the narrative we are one in that narrative but in our western society narrative we have this sort of idea that that nature is here for us to take as much as extract as much as we can from for our individual needs and you don't need to be a rocket science to sort of understand if if we do that constantly on a world with ending resources if we overconsume the system is going to collapse and then i can live so it's like a cancer a cancer cell in that sense i'm not saying that us humans are cancer but if you look at the functionality of the cancer cell that don't stop reproduce it's like good for that individual cell in the sense that it gets really big but it consumes so much energy so it's those organism will die and then the cancer dies with it and and we don't want to have the narrative that makes us like a cancer cell on this earth we need to find ways to understand that if i'm hurting the ecosystem i'm also hurting myself yeah beautiful i i would also to reframe uh it's a symbolic idea of, of cancer cells if anyone is experiencing anything related you're not talking about um um the disease uh, just in case anyone is yeah. listening that can Thank relate you. to make sure that this is a safe space and it's just symbolic as can sensors replicate um, anomaly uh, in a way that become a problem for the body. Uh, yeah. it, it makes it functionless less, and that's why uh, symbolically is represented. Um, I really like about uh, Aboriginal wisdom and or native communities wisdom. Um, I've always been in touch with the I'm Argentinian, as you know, and there's a lot of native people from there. And I, I, I'm not fully native from there because my, my great-grandparents were Italian. So, um, and I've always been, I know, of the love they have for 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 Pachamama, which is the Mother Earth. Mm. Uh, Pacha is uh, Earth and Mama is the, the Mother and then you talk when you see and then having exploring about uh different uh native you know people as in you know australians the omaris and they have a strong sense of connection of with mother earth and then different tribes in in africa also have that connection um you know that there is a word called ubuntu ubuntu that which is i am because you are and yeah. and these they seem to have gotten this idea of we are together and we just dismissed it completely because yeah. there is no way to prove that with science <laughs> <laughs> if there is no way to prove it in science then it doesn't exist yeah. <laughs> and, and then i want going, it all i want it all just give me every <laughs> all the resources uh yeah somebody will somebody else will care about it anyway uh just we are about to get close to the end of our conversation and I wanted to ask you some ping pong questions about um, IDGs, if that's okay. And yeah, the sure. first one would be which of the skills being thinking, relating, collaborating or acting is the one that is the hardest for you? I, I hope you was going to still ask a question the other way, which one was one of my favorite? <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, no, I think, I mean, I don't know. I think that the, because the, the being skill that's so entwined in, in where I come from psychology and what I would make psychology works, and then that's sort of great. And I guess that the acting category for me, I was also part of, of designing the framework and, and we were like sort of weighing like what are the answers that we have gotten and sorted them and what rhymes with psychology and also the new dimension what do we believe is needed in terms of skills when it comes to sorry transform into a sustainable world and then i would say that the acting and enabling change the, the acting category with courage creativity optimism and perseverance that's that's sort of a new skill for me to think about and act i i I do it a lot of sort of naturally that I easily can connect it to my own behavior to the IDD skills. The, the other ones I can sort of, I'm, I'm sort of, it's like swimming in the water, but that one is a little bit challenging. All right. Um, I can continue talking with you for 
another hour. I know we, we will get to so many places. Uh, I want to honor your time uh, today. And is there anything else you would like to share with me uh, regarding or anything else you would like to? Mm. Yeah. What pops to mind? Right. With, with IDG framework, I, I just sort of see that it's uh, so hopeful in many ways because uh, in both the IDD summits that I've been now, I can see people coming in there and just starting to cry almost because it feels like they've been, they found their tribe. It's like a lot of us people have sort of intuitively had a sense that inner development is important for a transformational shift, but we haven't had the words for it really. But now it's both the coming together of a lot of people towards a common cause and also getting a language to talk about it. That's mm -hmm. really helpful. And I think that we need to continue to build and weave this weave with other actors like UN, CEDA, but also governments and also academia and also big organizations and also individuals and also find scalable ways to frame those skills both both together with others and also using tech and maybe high high to enhance the effects of those but i don't think that the solutions will be purely technical because i believe that there is a lot of promise with tech married with uh, human to human interaction i see a lot of potential there but like one initiative that we're working with that was actually before this the IDGs, but from the sort of same source in terms of founders and so on, is the 29K Awara. It is a free uh, app where you can train skills like the IDGs and also directed IDG skills together with others, uh, either by leading a group where you get the prompts on what to say and what to do, or join groups with, with someone that facilitates it, or do it by yourself. So that's something that I would like to mention. I worked there also and was a, we were like awarded the, the best hidden gem by Google Play. <laughs> I know, I saw that. Week. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank, you. And, Thank uh, you. and I'll be having an interview, also a chat with Eric uh, soon. So it's going to be another episode. So yeah, great. I think our conversation went to uh, some um, awareness waters that we just uh, sleep it into into that um i'm sure we're gonna have another conversation uh which we can explore more about um what other sources and tools we can actually provide society to yep. make it thrive and sustainable um okay it's been an absolute pleasure to share this conversation with you i really really enjoyed it mm, same to you it was really nice talking with you gonzalo and thanks for inviting me to the show and talking about this All right. Good day. Bye-bye.